Somebody will call me. <laughs> did you already press go? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you tell us that you pressed go? Mm-hmm. I did this. No, you didn't. I so did this. then, <laughs> I don't know that you pressed go. This means go. go. That does not mean go. I didn't say no. I said That means go. I have no more fucks to give. <laughs> I'm Elaine. I'm Carly. John. Tony. Each of us has picked a specific movie genre. I have horror thriller. I have science fiction fantasy. I have drama and romance. I have action adventure. We take turns selecting from our movie genre movies that, in our opinions, have not received the respect they deserve. You won't see any of these films on anyone's top ten list, but maybe by listening to our podcast, you can give these a second chance. Today's pick on the podcast is Elaine's pick. 1986, The Golden Child, starring Eddie Murphy. Never heard of him. No? Who? Never. Wasn't he in Coming to America? Yes. Yes. This was the movie he did after Beverly Hills Cop. When you look on your IMDb. (laughs) All right, so on Rotten Tomatoes, this is a thermometer of 22% and an audience score of 47. On IMDb, it has a 5.9 out of 10 with a 37 Metacritic. The budget for this was $25 million, and uh, it grossed $79 million. Oh, wow. So um, this was originally written and offered to um, Mel, Gibson. Mel Gibson, but he turned it down. And that then a weird movie. when Eddie Murphy became attached to the project, they rewrote the script to yeah. for his personality, but it didn't quite... Like, that's why it's totally, some parts are real serious and some parts are real not serious. Yeah. When did Big Trouble Little China come out before this? So, um, they came, they both came out in the same year, but John Carpenter turned this down and then did Big Trouble in Little China. Okay. So, but in IMDb, it came out, it says they came out in the same year, but I'm not sure which one came out first, but they both okay. came out in 96. Well, if they came out in the same year, then they were probably... Or 86 casting close enough to the same time i was just curious if mel gibson didn't want to just be like well he's doing a very similar movie <laughs> similar enough yeah let's see i'd watch this with mel gibson in it i would too but it was supposed movie. to be a more serious different. um i don't know if it would this was work if in that same serious. universe stallone did beverly hills cop yeah <laughs> what was right? Eddie murphy doing Mm-hmm. Um, Leak the weapon. <laughs> so this, so still on Saturday Night Live. So the Golden Child came out in December, and Big Trouble in Little China came out in July. Mm-hmm. Ooh, summer release. So, but yes, all right. So this was uh, directed by Michael Ritchie, who also directed Wildcats, Fletch, <laughs> nice. Fletch Lives, mm-hmm. and going all the way back to the seventies, The Bad News Bears. Okay. He had a pretty prolific IMDb, lots of TV movies and movies from the 70s and 80s. And I can see Fletch in this. This was written by Dennis Feldman. <coughs> he also wrote Just One of the Guys. <coughs> John, are I'm you good. choking on a Snickers? Nope. <coughs> and then he also wrote Species, Species 2, Species 3, Species four, <laughs> and then I believe there was a species five, but they called it species something else, like species interaction or something weird like that. <laughs> but I think there was five of those. Species four in or space? five. <laughs> well, there. Species it, takes Manhattan. Well, species is about species an alien, X. so species is space always kind of in space. Yeah. At home. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
This stars Eddie Murphy as Chandler Jarrell, which I, they should change the name because there's no way that Eddie yes. Murphy is a Chandler. I thought his first name was Jarrell. No, his last name is Jarrell. When that Jarrell. dude kept calling him Jarrell, I just assumed it was his first name. No, his name is Chandler. <laughs> they call him Chandler all the time. I wasn't paying attention, apparently. Miss Chandler Bong. Um, of course, we know him best from Shrek. Or Beverly Hills Cop, or 48 Hours, or Dream Girls, or Metro, or Boomerang, or Coming to America, or Tony's favorite Eddie Murphy movie, I'm going to assume, gentleman. Vampire in Brooklyn. It's not bad. <laughs> really? Been shot before. Kind of itches a little. It's okay. Well, because it's a vampire movie, and we know Tony <laughs> loves vampires. Maybe I'll pick it for his birthday. What is your favorite Eddie Murphy? Oh, Jesus, I don't know. Mm. I'd have to look at it. Mine is Beverly Hills Cop. It might be better. I, I like Coming to America. I do like Coming to America, too, though. That's a good one. Sexual chocolate. <laughs> I kind of like when he's not being as silly as he is in this movie. But, you know. Like, I don't really love the nutty professor. Mm-hmm. No. It goes, it's too much for me. And his I like Dr. Doolittle was terrible. I like it when, it when they're more subtle in the mm. comedy. Have you seen <laughs> My Name is Dolomite? No. Well, it's supposed to be seen. fantastic. That about. was really good. What's the special, the comedy special where he's in that like red leather? That is delirious. Oh, yes, I've seen that. <laughs> and don't forget about his sequel, Raw. I don't know. Where he if I wears saw that. purple. <laughs> okay, I don't think I saw that. <laughs> wow, you're missing out. So imagine Eddie Murphy in a tight leather purple outfit. <laughs> it's way better I mean, than I've the one in Delirious. I've seen it in red. <laughs> the purple one is tighter. Uh-huh. Maybe I'll have to check it out. Not because I want to see that, but because you I like Delirious. <laughs> I mean... This one, he talks about Mr. T. <laughs> and then um, this also stars Charles Dance as Sardo Noomspa. And of course, welcome back to the podcast from Godzilla King of the Monsters, Me Before You, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, and Last Action Hero. Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we didn't do Game of Thrones. These are all things he was on the podcast. There's enough for. Game of Thrones podcasts. Yeah, he has like and so many acting credits, and he has such a diverse. And we've done some real weird stuff <laughs> <laughs> that we have. Yeah, see. <laughs> then uh, the little the kid, the golden child, was actually played by a girl, mm-hmm. and that's the only thing she's ever acted in. Mm. Um, Charlotte she Lewis. Was, I did was, not find her annoying. <laughs> no, she hardly spoke. She had like three lines. Yeah. Um, Charlotte Lewis plays Ki Nang, and she also was in Men of War. Um, this also has James Hong as Dr. Hong. Welcome back to the podcast from Tango and Cash, RIPD, Big Trouble in Little China, Tank Girl, The Shadow, and soon perhaps Operation Dumbo Jump. <laughs> <laughs> He has 230-something acting credits. His first, act, the, his first acting job was in 1956. Wow. He did four movies in 1956, and they were all uncredited bit parts. Mm-hmm. His first one being Korean uh, jet fighter or Korean airplane something pilot. I think, I think he just jet got pilot. his Hollywood star not too long ago, finally. Yeah. Seinfeld 4. Then we also have Victor Wong, who plays the old Gupta. And he's also welcome back to the podcast from Big Trouble in Little China and Tremors. <laughs> then um, Tommy Tong is played by Peter Kwong, and he's also 
from Big Trouble in Little China. He played Rain, which I didn't know that that character's name was Rain. I would have said his name was Wind, but it's not. It's Rain. Rain, thunder, lightning. Yeah, but I would have thought it was All Wind, thunder, and lightning. Mm-hmm. Still Rain. It's been Rain since 86. I don't know, but I didn't know that. I guess maybe we probably discussed it on the Big Trouble in Little China episode because I was like, why is it rain? But I forgot all about it. I immediately lost that information. And and then the only other person I think that's of interest is the character of Till, who's played by Randall Tex Cobb, who was a um, boxer and uh, MMA fighter. But he wasn't in anything else. Yeah. It's kind of a recognizable face, but he wasn't in anything else that we've done. I checked. <laughs> would have thought he would be in the background somewhere and you know. Oh, Tony Cobra wanted to something. mention that the voice of the demon was Frank Walker. Welcome back to the podcast. podcast. Oh, yep. For his like 27th and, time. <laughs> and the knife is also welcome back to the podcast because that's the same knife that was in the shadow. <laughs> mm, that's right. The Ajanti dagger. That's funny, because didn't you, did you know that, Tony? What, that he makes a note? No, the, the, the knife, knife was the, the same, same one. one. Because when you... It when, did look familiar. When they found... When, he, when we saw the knife for the first time, Tony said, but is it cooler than the knife in... Shadow. shadow. And, but it's, it's the same not, <laughs> because the one in the shadow... Was uh, face. Was sentient. Well, was sentient, and this one is not. Yeah. I actually kept waiting for it to come alive, but it didn't. <laughs> um... I have one of those. It's upstairs. Do you? Mm-hmm. Nice. Does it come alive? <laughs> I hope not. Only when Elaine's not home. Way to creep me out forever. <laughs> when you feel something in the middle of the night touch your foot, it's not the dog, it's the dagger. Creep house city. Is a cat. <laughs> what did you think going in, Carly? Herba does hover above the bed sometimes while we're sleeping, but don't worry about that. I have never, I had never heard of it. Oh, never even heard of it. I just assumed it was it? going to end up being... A Bond type movie. I don't know why. <laughs> Interesting, because it reminded you of Golden Eye. Maybe. <laughs> Golden Gun. Gold Member. I didn't. Maybe there's clearly a didn't have any precedence. idea what this movie was about because I was expecting <laughs> a James Bond type movie. <laughs> Interesting. John. I thought Noomsi. <laughs> Tony. I was like, okay, I can watch this again. Me and Will watched it. Uh, a couple months ago. So he's like, hey, Murphy I was like, really? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. then I'm thinking a James Bond movie with Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Don't put it past him. In the 80s. There was a Christopher Walken and Grace Jones one. Right. <laughs> so, uh, my f- I have two reviews. The first one is by R.V. Khan. And this is from February 18th of 2023. Recent. (laughs) When I think of a good 80s movie, this one is a standout. Not only is it nostalgic for me because I watched it as a child, but it continues to be hilarious and adventurous. I still get chills watching the fight scenes, and the soundtrack is perfectly 80s through and through. It's super cool seeing what L.A. looked in the 80s. I was born and raised in L.A. and and so much has changed, which you get a glimpse of in this film. On top of that, you got a great cast with Charlotte Lewis, Victor Wong, Charles Dance, and Peter Hong. Eddie Murphy is the chosen one, two exclamation points. I picked this one because he said that he gets chills watching the fight scenes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we'll get to it, but me and John were talking about how terribly choreographed this is compared to fight scenes today. Yeah. It's just bad. 
All right. Mm-hmm. Then counterpoint, and that was a ten out of ten. This is a one. This is a one out of ten. This is the only one out of ten on IMDb mm. user reviews. There was a bunch of threes and fours out of ten, which were all very bad, and I don't know why they were one out of ten. But this is the only true one out of ten. Uh, this is uh, Henry Plinkett, fourteen, from May 9th of twenty twenty. There's fourteen Henry Plinketts. Apparently, yes. He says not one funny line, abysmal script. Awfully shot and edited, useless villains, virtually non-existing plot. Whoever made this probably thought they could pull off another Beverly Hills cop. That film had a very basic plot and was made to work through excellent performances and an awesome soundtrack. But this time around, Murphy has no funny lines and he has no one interesting to interact with. The result is a very boring film that's awfully stitched together. And on top of all of this, it's tonally confusing. Jumping from lighthearted comedy scenes to dead children in bowls filled with kids' blood doesn't work at all. Um, as for the silly oriental lore, John Carpenter does it better, but the greatest crime remains putting Eddie Murphy in the film and not giving him funny things to say. His charisma still keeps the film watchable, but not enjoyable. One out of ten. That doesn't sound like a one. I know, it sounds like this should have been a like four a, out of ten. Yeah, at least a four, because he <laughs> seemed to like a lot of it. But. It's not overall. There you go. All right. <laughs> Any other changes before we begin? Do you know Crocodile Dundee 2? Mm-hmm. That was not actual cocaine. What was it? I never think it's cocaine. Bless. <laughs> Bless <laughs> baby laxative. Baby laxative? It's not baby laxative. It's not fun. <laughs> never mind. <clears throat> All right, so we open on a temple in Tibet, and it tells us it's present day. Um, so it's 1986. Yeah. <laughs> We see a group of disreputable, I said that word funny, (laughs) disreputable men approaching through the snow. Some real slime balls. Not glass sacks that have gotten this Inside the temple, we see a child watching a puppet show. And then we see the same kid on a cushion. And he's presented first with a fancy hat and then other vestments. Uh, One of said cushions is filled with dead birds. And he reanimates, um, resurrects, perhaps, a parrot, and the monks are amazed. Uh, well, you don't see that shit every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he's kind of like this cute kid on a cushion. Then the temple is attacked by our marauders, those disreputable. <laughs> I can't say it. It's okay. I can hear it in my head how it's supposed to sound, <laughs> but when I say it... It doesn't. It does not come out. Whose voice do you hear? Men of ill repute. Um, is it mine? Or is yeah. It, or is it like Christopher Walken? That'd be logical. I don't <laughs> ever hear Christopher Walken in my head. Why not? Because be he's not cooler, the voice of my inner did. voice. Morgan Freeman. I'm the voice of my inner voice. <laughs> if you could have any voice you pick your own, I'd go with Morgan Freeman. I don't no, get to pick. She consciously chooses. Okay, <laughs> what is your? Who does your inner voice sound like? Al Pacino. <laughs> Does it? Yeah, he does. We've been married 22 years, and you've never brought this up. You never asked. You never once come up that your inner voice sounds like Al Pacino. He said, "You should make us some fish tonight." And I made fish. Wow. Who's who does yours sound like, Tony? Jack Palance. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) And does he just walk around when you end up when you you know you're sitting there, brain's empty, and then all of a sudden. You. Tango. And Gage. No, he says you. My number one. Guy. Guy. 
That Jew sugar bumps. <laughs> I think mine is just me. I don't know. <laughs> Excellent. So Sardo Numspa and his hooligans his take the child hostage. They have a very elaborate cage thing so they can lift him out without touching him. And then as they are leaving, Numspa says, do not let him touch you. So then he immediately touches one of them. And then this particular guy turns on his fellow marauders, marauders yeah. and uh, ends up dying. But he tries to protect the child, but he's quickly overwhelmed. Then we get the opening credits. We get a USA montage and then quickly followed by an L.A. montage. Well, we see Eddie Murphy walking the streets of L.A. posting missing child posters. This is uh, Chandler Jarrell, which I wrote down because it's just the world's most ridiculous name. They could have just changed it. Jarrell Chandler. (laughs) Bob Jones. Which is what I thought his name was. (laughs) I mean, he's coming off of Axel Foley, which is a really cool name. Yeah. What? I can't let you on. I'm running a podcast, sir. So we see him. He interacts with different people as he puts up these posters. And then we see him on a TV show. He's trying to talk about his work. This is a local cable show. Mm-hmm. He's trying to talk about his work uh, finding lost children. And the show host keeps interrupting him because he doesn't actually want him to talk about what he does. He just is trying to make an interesting show. And then Eddie Murphy um, takes the microphone away from him so that he can get out that he's looking for this girl. I will fucking Cheryl. slap you. Put the fucking camera back on me. Uh-huh. And he finally is able to get his whole spiel out. And uh, as we zoom out of the TV set, we see that a woman is watching this while deciphering ancient texts. Mm-hmm. And this is key. Um, and her name is in my brain just kept being Ni Kang instead of Ki Nang. I don't know. I was messing that one up. <laughs> Interesting. I don't know why. Just, just like you and disreputable. <laughs> I'm not even gonna try to say it again. Disreputable. <laughs> Maybe if he heard it in like Jack Nicholson's voice, it would happen. <laughs> How would Jack Nicholson even say that? Ni Kang. <laughs> <laughs> I think she meant disreputable. (laughs) Disreputable. I mean, that was pretty close. All right, so the next day, we see Chandler and some kids playing basketball. And Key approaches one of the kids. I don't know if this kid had a tantrum or what, but kind of threw the ball off the court. And it lands by Key. She picks it up. Chandler goes over. Maybe Hector from the Honk It. And she kind of... (laughs) <laughs> introduces herself to him and she knows who he is and uh, she says you know you find lost children and he says I like working with children and then one of the kids is like Chandler come on and then like, he shut yells, up yeah, and he yells shut up and uh, she tells him that a special child was kidnapped a week ago in Tibet and he was like that's a little bit out of my and when way he did that, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I deal in LA yeah. It's already yep. big enough with a lot of missing children. And when he did that <laughs> shut up thing, it made me think of Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood. Mm. Did you ever see that from Saturday Night Live? It's like a Mr. Rogers mm-hmm. spoof, but in a rougher like neighborhood. In a rougher neighborhood. So when someone knocks on it's like, let's go see who it is. Who is it? <laughs> Same kind of voice. 
Never mind. I don't know. When you said Mr. Robinson's neighborhood, for some reason, all I could picture was hanging with Mr. Cooper. Yes. <laughs> and I don't know why. I don't know either. But that's where my brain went. Hanging with Mr. Cooper. Oh. I think she's about a decade late. I maybe need a second cup of coffee. It's been a very long oh, day no, today. That was awfully late. <laughs> yeah, she's drinking coffee at 9 o'clock at night. Whatever. <laughs> I can't sleep. No shit. I'll be fine. <laughs> um, she then tells him that there's a prophecy from like 500 years ago that um, this child, this special child is um, will be lost and that the chosen one you will come to the, or the child will be kidnapped and come to the city of angels where the chosen one will find him. And she tells him that he's the chosen one. And he's like, you're crazy. <laughs> Like you would. Yeah. I mean, you are. What, this never happened to you? No. I wish that. It's funny because I guess that those ancient texts that she was um, translating or reading or whatever were the prophecy, I guess. I, guess, I wish we got a little bit more about this prophecy. Because they only say it the one time. They call him the chosen one the whole time. But they only talk about the prophecy just this once. They don't really explain how they know he did they and i just missed it no. <laughs> they're just like you're the chosen one all right and now moving on and he's she not just like knows that he finds children in la so he must be the chosen he can't one. be the only one looking for missing children in la <laughs> it was the 80s <laughs> i don't know but she thinks works, he's right? crazy sure. or he thinks that she is crazy and he's like all right see you later crazy pants <laughs> hey you're crazy bitch then the then we see him <laughs> on a crime Boy. scene so the cops have called Chandler. Chandler is not a cop. Mm-hmm. He's a P. I assume he's a PI, although they never say that he's a PI. Someone's got to hire him to look for these missing children. But I assume he's a PI that works closely with the police because they called him and they're letting them look at this crime scene. It's a rental house. It's been covered in graffiti, and um, they believe it was. And the body of the teen that he's looking for, Cheryl, is found in this um, uh, house. In that. Outside the house, actually, in the yard. Well, they call him, I guess, to identify her to make sure that it's Cause Cheryl. Because she was in the yard. They didn't bring her outside just for him. She was outside. Okay. Well, what? on the that property. That's how dead bodies work. You never saw a dead body? I have never seen a dead body outside of a, a hospital or a funeral home. <laughs> really? Did you? What are you talking about? For me, that's true. And add to it. Classes when I was trying to be a nurse. <laughs> School. <laughs> when I was cleaning houses, I once encountered a dead dog. Was but, it? like, it was the lady's regular cleaning day. Her dog was very ill. It died while we were there. She was there with the dog. It's not like I just came across a, do- a dog carcass. <laughs> but it was upsetting. Um. So he kind of takes a bunch of pictures and investigates the rental house. And in the kitchen, he finds oatmeal with what looks like blood in the bottom. He immediately is able to identify that this is blood and not some weird cherry syrup in this oatmeal. It looks like cranberry juice or yeah, something. Yeah, it's a red viscous fluid. Yes. <laughs> and then he looks out the window at one point and he sees Key is standing on the sidewalk with a bunch of the looky-loos. <laughs> and they make eye contact. So she's following him. They have a shared moment well she tails chandler as he goes to a tattoo place to look at the tattoo that was on cheryl 
And uh, he sees her car and he goes to confront her. And um, she tells him that the graffiti that was in that house is restraint is a restraint curse. And that the, cho- the golden child was there. And that those curses were there to restrain his, pow- his power so that he can't astral project. Because if he can't... He has ast- to be surrounded by evil. Mm-hmm. Well, she doesn't say evil, but... She does. She says she has to be surrounded by evil. Those are the words. Or he'll protect himself with astral projection. I wish I had astral projection. Doesn't that seem like it'd be effective? That's kind of what uh, Chandler says. <laughs> <laughs> well, so he says, so the people who killed Cheryl, uh, Cheryl have this golden child. And she says, yes. And he's like, so if I find the golden child, I'll find the people who killed Cheryl. And she says, yes. He's really and, invested in Cheryl for no reason. Well, and he asks about why they would be, why there would be oatmeal with blood in it. And she's like, well, I don't know, but I know somebody that we can ask. So he's officially taken the case of the golden child. No, I mean, the case of Cheryl is closed. Yes. At least the... Well, we've he found her. her. Yeah. Now, it's really, since he's not a cop, yeah. the police's job to figure out well. who killed her. <laughs> well, I, was, I mean, his job of where is she? He found her. He found her. But, <laughs> well, they found her. He's yeah. got to be a PI that they that works missing. Like, he's got to be a PI because he has a pretty good relationship with the cops, and he's not a cop. Mm-hmm. You can tell by that hat he's wearing the whole time. <laughs> what are those called? Do those have a name? Yes. Uh, Kufu? Kufu? Something like that? It means crown in some language. Mm. In an African language? Probably. I don't know. Could. Most likely. <laughs> um, so she takes him to Dr. Hong's. Dr. Hong is a uh, herbalist. I mean, we know the... Go- I don't know what national, like, I don't know if it's like Chinese herbalism or Tibetanese or mm-hmm. I don't know. Chinese black magic. Well, Sorry, wrong movie. It's a much better movie. So <laughs> they go down into Dr. Hong's basement to meet Kala. And Kala is a lady behind a screen. And she. And her mother was raped by a dragon many years ago. Well, was it her mother? I thought they said a, an a relative or oh. an ancestor. Yeah. So, um,. She happened a lot where you're from. She gives us some exposition. She tells us that every three thousand generations, which is not years, but that's a lot longer than three thousand years, a perfect child is born. Um, he's here to rescue us, and this particular golden child is the bringer of compassion. And if he dies, so does compassion, and everything becomes hell on earth. So what we figured out is this child actually died because 2023, holy shit. And um, Well, also one of the other golden childs died, they say, yes. in the past. So what the, what the emotion died one. with them? It's the child of justice. Justice died? Uh, yes. so justice died. Hmm. There is no justice. No. Only Zul. No, that's Dana. There's no Dana. Oh. Only Zul. Um, so they ask about the blood, and Kala says that the blood would pollute him. Because he can't be killed by anything in this world. He's too till he's too pure. But if he drinks the blood, he'd be polluted and then he would become vulnerable and they could kill him. So, um Unless they have the the weird shanty, knife. Shanty dagger or whatever. That's well it. we're not there yet. We have no idea about this dagger at this point. The Shanti's dagger. Oh this I've given you all the information we know. Oh. <laughs> so, um Chandler's very skeptical about all of this stuff yeah. and is very impolite. But um, they leave. And as they're leaving, 
Um, Key tells Chandler that Kala is 300 years old. One of her ancestors was raped by a dragon. And he says, does that happen a lot to you people? No, it should happen a lot where you're from. <laughs> what do you mean, you people? They, I thought he said you people. People from Tibet. Mystical ancient cultures. I don't know. Tibet. Mm-hmm. Um, Tibet. Chandler, well, we don't. We assume she's from Tibet. She knows her way around. Uh, so Key takes Chandler home. Mm-hmm. Key takes Chandler home, and he invites her up. And she tells him no more than once. And he tells her that uh, he doesn't believe in any of this mystical nonsense, and he makes fun of it. And then, oh, oh, the spirits. <laughs> they said you should come up for a little while. Mm-hmm. I'm just playing. You should come on up on stage. He wants it's like, to, hey, your your whole world revolves around this. I'm going to laugh at it and then still think you're going to come up with me. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you miss 100% of shots you don't take. So then he goes up to, to his apartment mm-hmm. and uh, falls asleep on his couch, I guess. We go to a warehouse, which is the current location of the Golden Child. He's surrounded by containment spells and four evil monks. North, east, south, and west, I assume. They don't yeah. sit. And um, they're like meditating at him. And then there's a fifth person, or there's one of the marauders, Till, is in the room. Tilda Swenson? Text, yeah. And he is has a slingshot and he's firing rocks at the golden child. But the golden child is using his powers to deflect it. And then. He uses his powers to make a Pepsi can turn into a little man and dance, which makes Till laugh. So he's trying to make a connection with him. Mm-hmm. But then Noobspa arrives and crushes the can because he's a jackass. <laughs> and Lannister he, always pays his debts. Nope. <laughs> and then he yells at Till. Um, then slowly we see one of the monks fall asleep. This... Cracks or, or a wedge. out. <laughs> they may have been doing this for days and days Who and knows? days and days. But it makes a a crack in the containment. And the golden child is able to astral project to Chandler's. So we see Chandler has a vision. He sees the golden child floating on a cushion with the bird on his shoulder. And then the bird flies out of the projection and into his tree. Whose bird is it? And then My bird. Thank you. <laughs> And then the little kid dis- and then the projection disappears, but the parrot is still there. It's my bird. And he asks, he says, "Hey, bird, did you see a little Hari Krishna midget floating in a tree, or was it just me?" He says it much funnier than I do, though. You don't have his comedic timing. <laughs> He's Eddie Murphy. There's not a lot of people that are funnier than him. <laughs> <laughs> so, which reminds that me, is you have the to morning. watch the new Chris Rock special. I hear it's very good. I watched the end of it. He watched. He you showed lie. me a clip earlier. <laughs> His mom watched it, and she really wanted us to watch it so that we could talk about yeah, it. Yeah, she has such a connection with Chris Rock because they hung out with them one time. <laughs> <laughs> so she's always going to tell me when Chris Rock's coming Tony around. Tony had me talk to his mom for like well, he, they, he 30 came, minutes He came the to day. their city, and they, they're friends with the guy that runs the comedy club, and he came to their city to do like a tryout thing with his jokes but nobody knew about it but he, the owner yeah called he was them. just workshopping his material but the owner called them and told them so they sat on the stage with them and talked to him or whatever and then he did his thing and it was like a thing i was like okay that's cool but so she's like freaked out whenever chris rock does anything and maybe they maybe they had a you know a nice friendly connection maybe, maybe they're actual friends uh-huh. maybe chris, 
<laughs> Maybe Chris Rock remembers her. Maybe. <laughs> well, probably not. He's, he probably did, a lot of did she send him a sympathy card when he got slapped? Slapped? No. Mm-hmm. I think he got. I hear he got uh, Will Smith back though. It was rough. It was pretty rough. <laughs> I was like, well, now it's on. It's pretty rough. It'll be interesting to see what he says. Will Smith is not going to say shit. I don't know. He can't. I mean, he he can. I don't know what he's going to say though. Uh-uh. I don't know. His career seems to have fallen in the toilet. Mm-hmm. No, I I am Legend Two's coming out. It'll bounce right back. Didn't he die at the end of the first one? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but there's an alternate ending where he doesn't die, and they're using that for the movie. <laughs> the sequel is what they said. What I've heard. So. So he died at the end of the first one. We're like, no, no, forget so that. So wait, we're going to go with this now. You're yeah. telling me they're making a sequel. A, and they're just pretending that the ending of the last movie never happened? When mm-hmm. does that ever happen? God, why would Hollywood do that mm-hmm. all the fucking time? All right, so. Mm. So the alternate ending, that's canon. So then the mm-hmm. next morning, the phone rings. And uh, Chandler gets a hot tip about Cheryl. So there's a house in Pacoma where the Yellow Dragon Biker Gang hangs out. And she had a Yellow Dragon Biker Gang tattoo. So he's, he's going to go... And find out, and go to this house and find out what's up. See what he can see. So Key drives him because you know they're on this case together, and he can't lose her. And he doesn't appear to have a car. <laughs> and while they're on the way to check it out, Chandler sees the parrot that was hanging out in his tree. He's like, "Hey, that's my bird." <laughs> so they get to the house, and Chandler tells her to stay in the car, and if there's any problem, she is to leave. And he makes her repeat it. Stay in the car. And if there's a problem, leave. So then... Drive away. Just what? like in every movie, she immediately gets out of the car what? as soon as he's gone. <laughs> well, he gets out, he starts sneaking around. However, he hops she's a fence. better than he is in this situation. <laughs> he hops a fence and he ends up in some family's backyard and they're to barbecuing. So he pulls a gun. <laughs> He says, hey, all I want is a chip. I want some chips. That's all I want is some chips. He takes the chip and goes, turn that burger off, man. It's burning. (laughs) And Key also sneaks around, hops a different wall, and she breaks. um, So Chandler then gets jumped in the biker's yard, and they take him hostage, I guess. And then Key breaks in, and she kicks biker ass. Mm-hmm. Like serious biker ass, and then at one point she has to get sprayed with water it was because the 80s. it's the eighties. Oh. And I was like, please, please, because of course her shirt is completely see through. But yeah, I was pleasantly surprised that she's wearing a bra. Yeah. <laughs> well, I wrote in my notes, wet t shirt. It was the eighties, but because it was the eighties, I was expecting no bra. But she was wearing a bra because she was eighteen at the time. Also, she got big things in front of her, so probably would have been uncomfortable to do did, all that. Did Carl shit look at the yabos on her? <laughs> Carly apparently went in-depth in case we had a well, TED talk. Tony pointed it out to me. <laughs> pointed both out. She had that's a big her, future. Yeah. I see big, thing, big things in front of her. Well, he said that's really what he remembered about her. From when I was little. She frees mm-hmm. Chandler, and then together they subdue the, the bikers. And yeah. then he inter- and the then, over-accommodating stuntman. <laughs> and then Chandler yells at Key because she was supposed to stay in the car, even though she clearly rescued him. Mm-hmm. And he says, this is a man thing with man shit happening here. It's not safe for women. <laughs> so 
So I say for you, she's fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's yeah, the fun I'm, of this if I'm movie drafting and going to that house, I'm drafting her first. He yeah. <laughs> and then... Um, and the chosen one could choose to keep his ass in the car. You know who would have been good at this? Kurt Russell. He could have played this role. Because he can He be, was busy. Yeah, yeah, he's doing Big Trouble in China. Too close to Full Trouble China. Mm-hmm. I mean, although Will Pan was in this. Yes, but he didn't have a huge role. <laughs> Neither one of them had really big roles in that movie. When you really think about it, how much and was Egg Shen know. really in the movie? Like yeah. three scenes? He's just memorable because the, the actor's a cool mm-hmm. guy. He's, Bra- Egg Shen was not... Um, he's Victor Wong. He really has not done too much. Really? That sucks. Not like... So I watched this, and then I watched uh, Big Trouble in China right after it because the TV said, hey, you should watch Big Trouble in China. Did it really? I, I think you're right. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> and then I asked him if it was going to make him not enjoy this movie as much or not review this as favorably because he immediately watched Big Trouble in China and it's going to color his thoughts. Which is mm. a far superior movie. <laughs> but we know because Big Trouble in China is one of the greatest movies ever made. And this is a movie. Like, I think of yeah. greatest movies of all time. Of all time. Top five. Top five. Okay, Gone in 60 Seconds. Because <laughs> it's my favorite. Thor Ragnarok. Solid pick. The Gentleman. Ooh, good one. Big Trouble in Little China. Has your phone number four? God, I'm... Weekend at Bernie's. No. <laughs> Mannequin. Oh, uh, no, probably for me, Notting Hill. Because I could watch that movie a thousand times and never get tired of it. But that would be my top five. I watched that Nick Cage and Pedro Pascal movie. Any good? I like that. What, jujitsu? No. No, it's uh, the unbearable weight of being awesome or whatever the fuck yeah. it's called. Yeah. Nicholas Cage. Fun. It's fun if you if you get a chance. It's very meta. Mm-hmm. I don't mind meta. Then you'll like it. Um, okay. So Chandler interrogates one of the bikers. And they the biker tells him that they sold Cheryl... To Tommy Tong, he owns a restaurant, uh, for a case of cigarettes and some pork fried rice. And he's like, you sold her? And he's like, yeah, we sold her. Uh, Tommy said he needed her blood because he made a deal with the devil. Um, This was, and Chandler's very upset. A carton of cigarettes? Or was it a A case? case? A case of cigarettes. Still, in the 80s, that wasn't that much. (laughs) No, and some pork fried rice. (laughs) Bless you. There you go. <laughs> so then uh, Key and Chandler go to Tommy Tong's restaurant. So Chandler goes in, starts asking, trying to get, you know. He tells her Take again. me to Tommy. Take stay me to Tommy. Yeah, stay in the car. <laughs> He's like, take me to Tommy. And all the waiters act like they don't speak in English, which they may or may not speak English. But we do see Tommy Tong grabbing a sword and coming out, and he attacks. And, of course, Key interferes. And then Tommy decides to run, and uh, he runs out of the restaurant and into an alley, and Key and Chandler follow him. Tommy gets far enough ahead that they can't really see where he's going, and he hides behind a dumpster, and they run past him. And then he gets, stands up from behind the dumpster, and then we see a rat, and the rat transforms from the rat into Sardo Nuspa, who then kills Tommy Tuck, and then transforms back into a rat, and then... Chandler finds the body, then Key finds Chandler with the body, and is like, you killed him. And he's like, no, I didn't. <laughs> and there, it's very it's like, weird. maybe he killed himself because he was so scared. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. 
Then we see Numspa speak to the devil, a demon, Shingai. Ooh, the god of the east. We don't know who he's... Um, I assume it's it's maybe not the devil, but definitely a devil. Um, Small D? <laughs> he, yeah, the devil... I mean, Chinese got a lot of hills. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. The devil tells Sardo he was right to kill Tommy Tong, but why is the golden child still alive? And he's like, don't worry, he'll eat the, he'll drink the blood and then we can kill him. Um, we have him surrounded by evil at all times. And the devil's like, he's never going to drink that blood. You need to get the Ashanti jet dagger. And he's like, well, it's so well protected. How are we supposed to get it? And then um, he, uh, they tell him to move the child so that the Chosen One doesn't find him. The devil tells Noomspa to move the child because the Chosen One is getting too close. And then to, to get the dagger... Offer to trade the dagger for the child. They'll get the dagger for you. And then you can take the dagger and kill the child. It's a double cross. Mm-hmm. Both of them have the same plan. They're going to double cross. Um, so then that night, Chandler again goes to sleep. And then he has a very weird dream. Yes. <laughs> um, so he's in his dream. He's in this house. And in front of a live studio audience. Yes. With Noomsi. And he meets Noomsi's, um, Sardo's henchman. <laughs> and, um, every time he makes a funny one-liner, the audience laughs. And Sardo tells Chandler that he will trade the child for the Ashanti dagger. And then, um, and Chandler is, does, you know, he thinks it's a dream. He's not paying any attention. So then um, Sardo brands his arm or cuts with his the arm dagger. with the dagger. So it, he'll know so what it that looks like. He'll be remi- <laughs> so that it will remind him to get the dagger in case he wakes up and thinks it's all a dream. He's like, hey, I'm not supposed to feel pain in a dream. <laughs> and he's like, it's not a dream. And then um, Noomspa kind of disappears and then he finds key, toilet paper... To a fridge, but she can't escape because he's, you know, in a dream, and then he's attacked by New, by Noomspa's henchmen, and then he wakes up. And she's just screaming and flirting mm-hmm. with him. Yes. <laughs> and well, I'm like, that doesn't seem like her at all. And then he wakes up. <laughs> he wakes up. What's his dream? And Key takes him to Kala, and uh, he tells them about his dream, and Kala tells him that the knife was brought into the world... To kill the second golden child, the bearer of justice. So, uh, apparently it's from another dimension? Question mark. Mm-hmm. Reality. Plane of existence. Intergalactic planetary. And um, they used it to kill the bearer of justice. So, it doesn't matter. Right now, all of our friends out there are listening to the Beastie Boys in their heads. <laughs> so, Dr. Hong tells Chandler that he must go to Tibet with Key to get the knife. He's and not then- hearing that. And he's like, um, no, you go to Tibet. I'll stay here. And they're like, only the chosen one can get the knife. And he's like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and then, um, Key, so, then Key and Chandler go back to Chandler's house. And this time, Key asks to come up when they get to Chandler's. And he's like, oh, hell yeah, you don't have to ask me twice. <laughs> and then we have what we assume is some hibbity and dibbity. 
Which, which comes off as she slept with him just to get him to go to Tibet. Yes. yes. But at first when she said she wanted to come up, I thought it was a, I need to watch you because he's reaching you in your dream situation. And then they imply that there was hibbity and dibbity. And I'm like, what? Because <laughs> that came out of nowhere. <laughs> was out of the blue. So the next morning. But it he, was the 80s, so someone had to get, you know, busy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so the next morning, Key tells him that she wants him to go to Tibet. And he says, I am not going to Tibet. And she goes, all right, well, I'm going to go to Tibet. He's and, like, look, a bed. And then he's, he's like, why like, don't we just hang out here? And she's like, no, I'm going. She's like, like, I'm going to Tibet. Get the dagger. And You're he, the goes, one. he goes, fine, I'll go to Tibet. But before we go, let's fuck some more. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, okay. So then there's some more hibbity deputy. Then, mm-hmm. Yes, that's so what I said. female, hippity-dippity. Oh. <laughs> uh, then we see them on an airplane, and then they get to Kathmandu. It's going to take... Smoking on the airplane, and I think chickens yeah. flying around. Like, it was some craziness. It was yay. It's quite a plane. Yeah. Like, wow, everybody's smoking. Look at that shit. Yeah, a lot. Hmm. It would take two days to travel in Everybody's the mountains to get to the gate of heaven, which is the temple the where <laughs> this dagger is. The giant tube. So she tells him that she's going to arrange for, she's going to make travel arrangements, and they'll have about an hour before they leave so he can explore Kathmandu. I don't think I would leave Chandler Durrell. I I was like, where did she go? On his own. (laughs) Tony goes, to make travel arrangements. I was like, he's going to get lost. (laughs) Yeah, how is she going to find him? Yeah. They don't have cell phones. (laughs) To be fair, he does have a crazy hat on, and he's the only black dude for a thousand miles. He is. He starts looking around, and then he spots the bird, my bird. Yeah. And he follows it, and the bird takes him to a stall where there is an old man, looks like a dirty old bum, and um, he gives the dirty old bum some coins, like he thinks it's a beggar, and then the man motions like he's gonna sell. You know, he's got a bunch of amulets on a blanket, and he tells he, you know gestures and Chandler figures out that the man wants him to buy an ambulance. So he says, all right, well, how much? I don't even know how much it is. And he pulls out a bunch of American money. And then he tells him that he wants the blue one. And then the old man puts not the blue one on, just kind of a plain brass one on him and takes a $100 bill. And Chandler gets pissed. And he's like, I mean, I'd get mad if you took a $100 bill for me now. Imagine in 1986. <laughs> But Chandler gets mad and tries, at first he's like, no, you're going to, you know, give me my money back. You took the wrong one. You're supposed to take a dollar, not the hundred dollar bills. And then the old man says, you're breaking my heart, ass wipe. <laughs> and he goes, oh, you speak English. And the old man continues to be. Better than you, asshole. Pretty um, filthy and just cussing at him. And then he distracts him. And Chandler turns his head, and he disappears. He leaves his clothes, but the rest of him disappears. So then he goes to find Key, and he's like, have you seen a dirty old, a naked, dirty old bum <laughs> with a $100 bill? And uh, Key is not. She says, no, but I can arrange one. $100 in 1986 is $272.97 today. I'd be upset about the <laughs> I'd be upset about $100 today, but $272. (laughs) Sorry. Actually, I feel with recent inflations, it's probably not worth as much. Um, So they 
they travel. We get a traveling montage where he's bitching the whole time about the little naked bum that stole his money and the fact that he has to paddle a boat. He's the chosen. And the fact that he had that hundred dollars, he could have got a boat with a motor. (laughs) He's gonna paddle his ass when he finds him. And he, and then it's really, really cold, and he wants to know why nobody ever steals a child in the Bahamas. (laughs) Why can't I be the chosen one to the Bahamas? I gotta be the chosen one to Tibet. But we get to the temple, and we go in the temple, and we see, and he sees the Gupta. And that is the dirty old bum. And he tells Key, that dirty old bum is right there. That's the guy that stole my money. And Key asks for the knife. She and knows she has to spin the column. And sing it. Yes. <laughs> We've came for the dagger of Dante. To save the child. To save the child. To save the golden child. The golden child does not need the dagger. <laughs> but, like, the Gupta is making a... Is making noise a with a bowl. He's making a stew, and he was just not no. He's using a bowl, a bowl to make a tone, was, and the turning the pillar makes another tone. So it's all kind of it's like this, this is the chosen one. And that he tells make him ask. He, he, he yeah. He says let um, let him ask. So then, what does Eddie Murphy do? Well, he takes it and he makes it like a turntable. Goes I I I want the knife. <laughs> Let him ask again. <laughs> and then he gets all. And he goes, Give me the knife of Ashanti. Please. <laughs> and he makes big motions with his hands. So um, then they decide to let him try to get the knife. And Gupta tells him, Only a man whose heart is pure can wield the knife. And he has to walk down. Um, he has to carry a. He has to walk glass down some stairs and go through a corridor. And he cannot, without leaving the, he can't leave the path, and he has to carry this glass of water without spilling a drop. And at the end is the knife. He says, he says, he can't spill a single drop of this pure water. He goes, this water ain't that pure. He says, neither are you. (laughs) And um, so then he goes through this very Indiana (laughs) Jones-like corridor. Wait, rope bridge. Yeah. The rope bridge columns. They tell, him, they tell him stay on the path. And he goes off the path and the bridge explodes. Yeah. And he says, You told me to stay on the path. And then he says, Sometimes a wise man knows when to get off the path. <laughs> but he gets to the end. And so it's him and his glass of water. At one point, he almost drinks the water, which is pretty funny. Yeah, because he's hot. Um, he's hot. He's sweating. He rubs his brow and almost drinks it. <laughs> but he gets to the end and the, ja- the dagger is suspended above. Um, a pit of fire. fire. And he goes to reach for it, and every time he reaches for it, the flames, flames go higher and higher. So he's like... He's like, Has it, how many people have survived this? None! <laughs> so he's thinking, he what goes am I over, doing wrong? He goes over his instructions over and over again, and then he has an idea, and he drinks the water, and then it puts out the flames when he drinks the water, because it's magic, and then he gets the knife. Whoa. Now turn on the goddamn lights! <laughs> <laughs> So then that evening, we see Key in a courtyard meditating, praying. We don't know. And uh, hanging out. Chandler comes upon the Gupta who's watching her. And he asks the Gupta how a man proposes to a woman in his culture. Because apparently, Chandler is so in love with Key at this point that he's thinking about marriage. He's a smitten They've known each other for like a week. And Maybe she got a <laughs> nipples or something. I don't know. He took Key. She became impure with him, so... 
Well, Gupta doesn't know that. He, she tells him. Not, not now. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying, maybe there something happened when they had sex. Some spiritual weirdness that... Well, she, <laughs> well, she loved him before his, she went upstairs to have sex out. with him. Yeah. But he didn't love her. You don't know that. <laughs> he might have loved her. I don't really but, think he did at all the whole movie, but <laughs> you, hey, you know what? I didn't buy this love story for a second. <laughs> you learn a lot about a person when you have to travel two days through the wilderness. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> they had to paddle a boat together. I've been through a lot for this last week. To be but, fair, that's true. I'll give them that. They fought but I together. Still didn't buy this they banged. Story. They traveled. They got a full weekend. Gupta tells him that he has to stay pure. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, and he's like. Is there a way that doesn't involve that? He's like, it takes 5,000 years. And he's like, okay. So then we see Gupta and Key talking. And they have a fun chat where she asks his advice. Um, she says she doesn't know what to do. That she's become impure. And he tells her that she has to help Chandler save the golden child. And then to follow her heart. And, uh, and then he says, you know, they talk about all of Chandler's bad um, traits. And Gupta says, I like him too. <laughs> and then he tells her that when she wants to marry him, she has his blessing. And she says, thank you, Father. And he says, you're welcome, daughter. So this is actually her dad. Mm-hmm. Not just some gross, dirty old man who picks his nose and wipes it on his shirt. <laughs> to Gupta. But he did also tell Chandler, like, you have to trust somebody that you just met. And you have to make yourself vulnerable. And you have to do all these things. Mm-hmm. And it takes 5,000 years. <laughs> But um, Dr. Hong, then they go back to the United States. Get some more fun on the plane. And then uh, Dr. Hong picks them up at the airport. And while they're at the airport, uh, we see Sardo Numspa is there with the cops. And he has convinced them that Chandler has stolen his property. And that they're going to arrest him if he doesn't give it back. Now Chandler sees him and recognizes him as the man from his dream, Sardo Numspa, who is apparently not human. Kala, I think they tell him at one point that he's some kind of demon or something. Mm-hmm. He should have used a nine iron. <laughs> and um, a fucking demon. So Numspa approaches with the police, and Eddie Murphy uh, goes into this whole spiel as if Numspa is his brother, and that my he's brother him. And he makes Noomspa go off to the side a little bit. And it's like, hey, you don't understand how this works. If they take the knife, um, I'm going to go to jail. And the knife becomes evidence. And you're not going to get it either. And it's going to take anywhere from three months to a year to go to trial. And this whole time, you ain't getting that knife. (laughs) So Noomspa, who I guess is not very savvy, I guess. Brother Noomsi has forgiven me. (laughs) Decides to let them go. Um, how he explains to the cops that he was wrong. Who knows? <laughs> but then they go to a safe house. <sighs> so Dr. Hong has arranged for them to be in a safe house with the dagger so that they're well protected until they can make the exchange. At the airport, um, he does tell News but that they will cha- exchange the knife for the golden child, which they're going to double-cross News and not give him the knife. Bastards. They just want to be taken to the golden child. So they're both planning a double cross involving the golden child and this knife. So that night at the safe house, he asks Chandler if he's going to come to bed. And he says, I'm going to sleep out here tonight. Not because he doesn't want to be with her, but because one, he's trying to remain pure. And two, he's a little worried about this dagger. 
which he has handcuffed to him I mean, in a briefcase. I mean, he already tried to get it from him once. Yeah. So, yeah. he's so, not going to bring the child. I, I don't know if any of them believe at any point that <laughs> this is actually going to happen. <laughs> but they're attacked. Um, Chandler gets a Peter tingle mm-hmm. and knows that something has gone awry and wakes up Key. And he tells her, something's wrong. We got to get out of here. And then, of course, they're attacked by... Um, and she has to run around just to underwear's. And yeah. a large men's shirt. Yeah. It's a sleeping shirt. Isn't his. No. <laughs> it's just hers. She, I, that's not a man's shirt. That's right. a sleeping shirt. It's 86. a very large button-down, yeah, long-sleeve shirt. Explain you how the 80s work, okay? But she wore those shirts the whole movie. Oh, that's true. She did. But uh-huh. it was the 80s, so she has kind of a bohemian look where she belts the shirt over like a long skirt. So that was it. Um... So you don't remember that because it was 86 and you were... Two. <laughs> but there was a fight. So you missed all that. <laughs> there was a fight. And Noomspa is able to get the briefcase and the knife. And they go to kill... They shoot a crossbow at bolt at Chandler. But Key is able to backflip her way in front of it and takes the crossbow, crossbow bolt for him. Mm. And then... In the back. As she dies, move, Banner. she tells him that I did not go to bed with you to get you to go to, to bed. I took you to bed because I loved you. And then she dies. Oh. <laughs> and uh, so Chandler takes Key to Kala's and Dr. Holmes. And Kala says that the child can save her as long as it is daylight. Which we did not see that scene. Where he's carrying this dead girl in his car. Nope. driving, yep. And then carrying out in front yep. of everybody into this Chinese <laughs> Says as long as the sun still shines on the body, the chosen, the golden child can bring her back, and that Sardo cannot kill the golden child during the day. It has so he has until nightfall to find the golden child, bring him back here. So So then we Mm -hmm. see the golden child. He loves the movie with a with a very clear timer, timer. like the movie timer. I like a good, ridiculous prophecy <laughs> and a clear timeline of a ticking <laughs> countdown. Yes. <laughs> well, we flash to the golden yeah. child, and the golden child finally is able to touch Till and turn him to his side. So then um, we see Chandler is back in his car. He's got one day to find the child. He doesn't really know where to look, but then all of a sudden, it's the bird. My bird. <laughs> and he follows the bird. And the bird leaves him... It's the bird! Leads him to a mansion. Which is kind of high off in the Hollywood Hills, I'm going to assume. And he breaks into this house. And immediately finds the dagger of Ashanti unattended. <laughs> yeah, it's just laying in a pile of paint and shit. I, I don't know. know. I don't know. Is it being... Like this house is, seems conser- like it's under... Deconsecrated, maybe? <laughs> Don't worry about Seeping that. it in evil. Mm. Don't worry about it. But Maybe. he immediately gets the dagger. They have been painting curses. Though. It was the 80s. They were doing cocaine off of it. <laughs> so then once he gets the dagger, he continues to explore the house. And then we see Fu, the gentleman with the chain. And this time he's able to easily kill him because he's the chosen one. And when push comes to shove, the chosen one is going to win. So he's able to easily I kill Jared? Sh- mm. Fu. Don't piss him off. And then... Fu and his weird chain has been killing people left and right. Yep. Yep. (laughs) But then, 
the fat monk with the crossbow bo- crossbow comes out and is about to kill him, but then Till saves him and uh, takes him to the golden child. Till kills that shit. Yeah, <laughs> I thought he was just going to disable him. I was like, whoa! <laughs> so, but Till takes him to the golden child. So then they release the golden child from his weird prison. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he asks Till if Noomspa is around here. And Till tells him where Noomspa is because he's in this room right off the Golden Child's prison room. And uh, he goes, all right, well, I'll be right back. Mm -hmm. So then he opens his door and he sees Noomspa and he's indisposed, (laughs) so to speak. And he turns into a demon. And uh, Chandler closes the door and he's like, we got to get out of (laughs) here. Um, he what goes would you full, do, fight him? He grabs the golden child and goes full Dinkleman. He's in his jeans? F this I'm mobile. F this oh, I'm mobile. F this mm-hmm. mobile. Okay, yeah, that makes more sense. All right, so they get down to the car. But I don't remember them skiing. If skis were a choice, though, he would have. Yeah. <laughs> so um, they leave Till. Like, they, they didn't bring Till with them. Till is just sacrificed to the demons. Who knows? But Chandler and the golden child get in the car. and then But Chandler's keys are missing. I guess he left them in the ignition and they well, were stolen. When he or... arrived, he was in a green station wagon and he's leaving in a brown car. <laughs> so he just grabbed a car. Oh, he just grabbed a car. The bird like seemed to signal to him was over there That's when right. they this arrived. This is remixed okay. to ignition. Yeah. I'm fresh out the kitchen. Like he's stealing Noob's yeah. car. Oh, maybe he's yeah. <laughs> and uh, but he can't get no started because <laughs> and the golden child touches his hand and it starts the car, and he's like, "Oh, you're very useful, kid." <laughs> and uh, there is a chase. Uh, the flying demon is chasing them as they drive. Um, he's able to knock over a telephone pole so that the golden child and Chandler have to get out of the car. And then they run from the car into what I'm going to refer to as an abandoned water tower? Question mark. <laughs> We're not really sure yeah. what this building is, but I have to assume it's kind of an abandoned water tower. Sure. Um, while they're in their Noomspa attacks, it's very windy for some reason. I thought maybe the golden child was doing that. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. I thought maybe it was part of Noomspa's demon powers. It could have been. But <laughs> it's very it's unclear. The building starts collapsing. There's just a lot of wind and a lot the building starts collapsing. And it's concrete. Chandler <laughs> tries to get Noomspa with the dagger. But it doesn't seem to work. And then the walls collapse, which I, which I kind of have to assume is the golden child makes the walls collapse. Yeah. Because they hit Noomspa and he's buried. And then they get back in the car. They've lost the knife. It also was buried. Yes. They lost the knife. It was buried with Noomspa. But, whew, he's dead. Because we've, we've killed him with buried concrete. Him under tons of concrete. At no point did I think he was dead. So they get back in the car, and then they take off to Dr. Hong's because we need to save Key. And just as they get there, Noomspa attacks. It's fucked up looking, but he's He's still there. And uh, he's got the knife, knife, and he tries to, um, he fires like some kind of bolt at Chandler, but the amulet that the Gupta gave him kind of like deflects it. Mm -hmm. And then... It was worth that $100. Yeah. He drops he drops the knife and he Chandler like there's a lot of stuff going on, it's kinda of chaotic, but Chandler 
basically Noomsma drops the knife and Chandler's laying on the ground and opens his hand and then the knife goes flies across the room into his hand using the power of the chosen one, I guess. Yeah, I thought the golden child did it. Maybe. <laughs> and then Chandler takes it and uses it to stab Noomsma and then he explodes. Yep. And then all is well and then they go to save Key but it, Key's body's no longer in the light. <coughs> but the too golden, late. The golden child is like, don't sweat. He lifts her foot up so it's back <laughs> in the light. sunlight and then touches it and then she comes back to life. Mm-hmm. So then we get our happily ever after scene where we see Key and Chandler and the golden child walking. This is apparently the next day. The golden child is now dressed like a tiny little American boy. <laughs> and Chandler and Key are discussing how Key's going to go take the golden child back to Tibet and she'll be back in two weeks. And then they're going to be happy together forever. Key and Chandler in the child finding business. <laughs> and then uh, Eddie Murphy makes some jokes about the golden child and uh, going on Star Search. Mm-hmm. And Which I did watch when I was a kid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> three, and then quarter star. <laughs> that's the end of the golden child. Um, Carly, why don't you go first? Oh, oh. okay. Well. My favorite character was Keith. He's a nod to the child. Because a lot of times the child becomes very annoying. And this child didn't. (laughs) My least favorite character was Fu. That's also mine, dude. Yeah. (laughs) It's terrible. I don't understand why they gave him a monkey face. I don't know. It was weird and I didn't like it. Um, My favorite scene was when they were in Tibet. Mm -hmm. Pretty much all of it. Um, my favorite line was only a man whose heart is pure can wield the knife and only a man whose ass is narrow can get down these stairs. (laughs) (laughs) I like that one. Um, my favorite tertiary object, I wonder, I'm gonna go with the bird. Okay. I like the bird. My bird. Because it wasn't, you expect if the golden child is gonna have a bird, it's gonna be... Not a parrot, you know. <laughs> well, that particular bird is native to New Zealand and Australia. <laughs> but if you think this dude has his mystical bird, you're not thinking that kind of bird. So, yeah. so I guess I'll go with the bird, and I'll give it. She a doesn't baby. know yet. A maybe. <laughs> it's like maybe. Uh, off the top of my I head. Can, I could see why it was enjoyable, but I could also see why it was terrible. <laughs> I'm not saying I won't watch it again, but I probably won't seek it out. If Tony were watching it, I probably wouldn't leave the room. Okay. <laughs> I'll I take it. dislike it. But. John. Uh, my favorite character is Chandler. Chandler Bong. No, Chandler Gerald. Mm-hmm. Uh, my least favorite character, uh, I guess I'll, I'll go with the monkey guy. Mm-hmm. My favorite scene is when Eddie Murphy gets the dagger through customs and he pulls out his wallet and he's like, customs of international things. Mm-hmm. And he takes the dagger and is like, all right. And the guy's running, goes, Henry, Henry, get back on the plane. We'll kick your ass. <laughs> because everybody was like, all right, yeah, cool. It was the 80s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which was only followed by when Eddie Murphy's flying back and you can see smoking on the plane because that's a cool scene. You don't see smoking <laughs> on the plane very much. I do want to point out on the way back when he's mumbling, he says, Eddie baby, it's cool. Is that what he says? He's, yep. <laughs> wow. Because uh, that was in trivia. I didn't notice it until just then. I was like, holy shit, he does. Um, my favorite, what do I have left? My favorite line mm-hmm. 
is of course I I I want the nine. Mm-hmm. It's a classic. <laughs> and my favorite tertiary object is Judo Jean LaBelle. Which okay. We, he was the biker that had Eddie Murphy up against the wall, and he says, "In my pocket is Tic Tacs. Have as many as you'd like." <laughs> and I'll give this a soft yay. It's not his best, but I've always enjoyed this movie. It's not as good as Big Trouble in Little China. No, but, but we know but that. Not a lot is. <laughs> All right, Tony. So you're gonna uh, watch one. Watch Big Trouble in China. My favorite character is Monty. Mm-hmm. My least favorite character is Dear Brother Noomsie. Mm-hmm. My favorite line, my favorite alternate line, is uh, when he's talking about he's standing on the pillars and you can't see the floor, uh-huh. and he goes, "You know, you're making it look like there's no ground, but there's a ground." <laughs> and then he flips a coin and he waits and he waits. He says, "Hey, and he this- waits. There ain't no damn ground." <laughs> that, is, that makes me laugh every time I watch it, even though I know it's coming and I've seen this movie billions of times. Billions, uh, really? No. Wow. Probably like twenty. Um, it was on HBO a lot. My favorite scene is him, the whole, pretty much, I was talking to Ben about this movie and he, he had a really good point is the, you can pretty much skip like the first 20 minutes of this movie. It doesn't really, once he gets on the plane to Tibet, the rest of it's good. Like yeah. he, he's, he, Eddie Murphy's on and he's not, he's once not he's on board with the mission. Yeah, yeah. The beginning, they're kind of all con, confined to this. We've got to do this exposition plot stuff, but once they're free and they're, you, you know, the set, the setting and the, and the stakes and all that, they're free to just Eddie Murphy could just do Eddie Murphy. And that's when it's, it's, it's great. Um, so pretty much that the plane ride over and my favorite tertiary object is the dagger of Adshante, I mm-hmm. guess he says, um, it's maybe tertiary. it's tight. You it's know, tight. Right. Maybe, maybe a high, maybe. My favorite character is Chandler. My least favorite character is Fu, the monk, chain monkey dude. Um, that particular actor was also the head wheeler in uh, Return to Oz. Oh, the head wheeler. The head Those wheeler. are the things that had the, the wheels on their mm-hmm. arms. Yes, they're very creepy. They're yeah. terrifying. Everything so, in that movie is creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, that movie is creepy. My favorite scene is when they go to Kathmandu and then they go get the dagger. I like all the Tibet stuff. Yeah. But special mention to when he's pissed because she's dead and he knocks over the screen in hiding Kala and he sees that she is half serpent. No more Mm -hmm. magic, no more bullshit. Um, My favorite line is when uh, he yells at Key after she's kicked the biker's ass and says, this is a man thing. Man shit happening here. (laughs) Because it's so funny because she just saved his ass and he's trying to talk tough to her and that just makes me laugh every time my favorite tertiary object is the nudie magazine in the opening sequence chunky Chunky asses (laughs) because i never noticed before this watch and i just was giggling the whole time it's pretty funny um i'm gonna give this movie a yay Mm -hmm. now i don't i think that if if it's on obviously watch it but i think it's fun if you have nostalgia for it it's not um, the best movie of the genre. Obviously, that's Big Trouble in Little China. But I would not recommend watching them back to back as a double hitter because it makes this movie not as no, good. You can like watch a... them back to back. Just don't watch this movie second. Yes. But they don't. <laughs> this is the app. This is but the, uh, this is appetizer. kind of. Yeah. It's like, really this was funny fine because watching it first. Just don't watch it second. You won't get through it. There was kind of these. 
there is they don't really make movies kind of like this anymore yeah, where they, they take a little bit of mis- like, like magic fantasy. and yeah they don't really make urban fantasy movies anymore that's because they don't want to offend anybody well yeah and they made a lot of them in like the 80s and 90s there's a bunch of really fun ones like masters of the universe yeah and no beastmaster 2 with the accidental taint no that was beastmaster 1 oh but beastmaster 2 he there travels in time to to la probably because they always go to la but there was just kind of this small Cheaper. segment of there already. urban fantasy movies that happened in the late 80s, early 90s. And they're kind of fun. So if you're in the mood for that sort of thing, this is a, this is a pretty good movie. If you're not in the mood for that sort of thing, keep on keeping keep on. Keep it on. on. <laughs> but I like it, and I'd watch it again. All right. Oh. Uh, please find us on facebook.com slash the underappreciated movie podcast. You can email unmoviepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And mm. tune in next week. On the podcast. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. For, for my pick. For John's for pick. For John's pick. <laughs> and since my episode's going to be coming around right around St. Pat's, Uh-oh. I was thinking, what kind of movie really gets your Irish going? Leprechaun? Nope. Leprechaun Space? Nope. Leprechaun Hood? Nope. Leprechaun 2? <laughs> Nothing with leprechauns. Oh. <laughs> Something that takes place in Ireland. I don't, I don't think no. this is the right no. film. <laughs> <laughs> a mafia movie about the Irish mob. Wait, Close. what? <laughs> uh, you, uh, you can just wait a second. I'll tell you. <laughs> All right. Everybody just keep guessing these weird shit. We were stalling for a lane. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to find body talk by rat. Is it the departed? Yes. No, that doesn't qualify. I was thinking about doing oh, that. Oh, God, I wish. Wait, so what's yeah. happening now? I, I'm, it's close to St. Pat's. So I'm picking something. Get your Irish up. Okay. Snatch? No! <laughs> How is that Irish? It takes place in fucking England. I don't know. <laughs> All right, everybody, listen. Put it overseas. Something with Colin Farrell. Daredevil. No. <laughs> I picked Boondog Saints. Okay. Oh, that qualified? Yeah. Wow. It, it, did, it did when I've I checked, seen it. but that might have been like a year ago. I've seen it more than once. Oh, yeah. This was a blockbuster find. I've right. only seen it all the way through like once or twice, but I've seen me- bits and pieces many times. It's not really a movie for me. This, this movie is great, and you'll love it, or you'll hate it. Did you want to talk about Body Talk by Rat? No, but I wanted to check because I knew this was Rat because I like Rat. Yes. And, and don't, don't say I, that out loud. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with liking Rat. Yeah, round and round. 44 Metascore. Round and Round is a great song. Okay. Round, you don't like round, round and Round. What goes around comes around. I'll tell you why. But in the beginning, like go, uh-huh. in the beginning, I swore yeah. it was heart singing. So I want to see if it was. Oh. It, it sounded like that. Well, this is what was playing in the bike when Attack the, the Biker. In the Biker. During the wet t-shirt club. contest. Yes. Because it was the, the 80s. Wet that was, but it there was. really wasn't any boobs in this movie. No, but I fully expected when she turned to see her nipples. And I was pleasantly surprised. You're like, chicken's said, done. <laughs> he is a uh, lady. It wasn't Hart, but it was Ann Wilson. Best uh, movie in the world. Ah, close enough. Yeah. So are we recording? It's like it's not the go go's, but it's Brenda Carlisle. Are we still recording? Are we still recording? Yeah, we're still recording. Oh, bye! I've moved out the podcast (laughs) business. Well, I thought we we had more. Do we have any new business? Do we have any old business? I didn't get a harumph out of that guy. The meeting is adjourned.